Welcome to the Bill Cartwright Show with Steve Cohen. Our special guest today is NBA All-Star, NBA Jam, 21-year NBA player, Kevin Wallace. Kevin, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bill. Glad to be here, man. Hope all is well. Steve, likewise. How you doing? You know, Kevin, I've, I've always really admired you, admired your work, uh, how hard you play. Uh, big fan of yours, whether you do that or not, whether we're running well. into each other, but uh, yes, uh, was always glad to see you and always appreciated you. Yeah, what I'd you. really like to know, just for you to talk about um, where you grew up and talk mm -hmm. about your parents. Well, grew up, Bill, in um, in Detroit, east side of Detroit, um, as a kid, born in Los Angeles, California, and parents moved to obviously to Detroit in the early, early uh, to late, late fifties, early sixties. And um, we moved to Detroit. That was the stomping grounds. That was where everything started for me um, as a young kid, as a young teenager, as a young man um, started there. We lived on the East side, went to Kettering high school, my ninth grade Northeast side of town and went to Pershing. And that's where I graduated at and left there um, in 1980 and went on to Jackson Community College and played a year there before I went over to uh, Michigan State. And can you talk about when you were in high school, mm -hmm. who taught you how to play? Who mentored you in high school? Well, I didn't start playing Bill until I was 16 years old. I was, I was at the first high school, Kettering, and I was on JB. I never forget being on JB. Never played a lot. Then I ended up running cross country. And back then you had to either either play football, run cross country in order to obviously play base, basketball. So I ran cross country and I found that I could really do this. And it wasn't no pressure. I always enjoyed running. So I ran cross country. And then when I moved to the other side of town, I transferred over to Pershing. And at that time, I really wasn't playing. The coach just saw this guy, the six, 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 four guy, six, five guy walking around and going to classes and asked, Hey, you want to play basketball? And I said, he asked me, did I play basketball? And I said, Nope. He said, you want to play? I said, Nope, I don't want to play. He says, well, you got, you got the height, you got the, the frame for it. Why don't you come to my class um, seventh period and, and meet the guys on the team and, and let's talk about it. So I said, okay, cool. So I ended up going there and the rest is history. Um, William Carter was my coach in high school. And he told me, he said, Hey, let me see you do some things on the court and you don't have to worry about your playing time. I'm going to start you. And I was like, start, I'm scared, man. I'm like, don't start me. And I'm like, okay. So he started, he actually started me and he said, just go out and play. And I've tried to do what I could do. And I ended up finding a joy and a liking to the game of basketball. And then from that moment, I stayed on the team. I continued to start. I began to get a little confidence. I think I scored my first 10 points. Um, midway through the, my junior year, and that was the highlight of my, my high school junior year. But then my senior year came around. I had so much confidence, and I started working, like, really, really diligently. Every day I would work and train and get in condition and work on my game. And then it went from averaging four points my junior year to averaging 24 my senior year. And wow. I, just, I just couldn't believe how much I grew in, in such a short period of time in the game of basketball. 
but my high school coach was the guy who really, really encouraged me and gave me that confidence that I could play. And, um, and the rest is history. I just picked it up and then I had to go to junior college and played in junior college because I had to get the grades up better. And once I got to junior college, it was almost like starting over because the level of competition was a little stiffer. So, but I did improve. I got better. And then I got the attention of Judd Heathcote and Bill Frieda from Michigan. Now, is that where you wanted to go? You wanted to end up at uh, Michigan State? No, my heart was set on Michigan. I really wanted to go to Michigan. My uncles would say, hey, go to Michigan State because magic went there. And I was like, yeah, but I like Michigan. But then when Michigan State spilled, I mean, Michigan State Judd Heathcote came to watch me play in junior college, so did Bill Frieder. And then after the, the game was over, they had a pretty good game. And then my coach in junior college asked me, he said, hey, um, I got some good news and bad news. Which one you want first? I said, give me the bad news first. He says, well, Bill Frieder thinks you're not ready for Big Ten basketball yet. You didn't think you were good enough for Big Ten. I said, okay, what did Judd say? He said he felt that if he came, if I came to Michigan State, I would be a, a hell of a basketball player. So I said, okay, cool. I'm going to Michigan State. So I made my decision, and I said, well, I'm going to have to show Bill Frieder that um, I belong and I can play in the Big Ten basketball, and, and I surely did. So Talk about your teammates when you got to Michigan State. Well, we had – at that time, we had a guy by the name of um, Sam Benson, which you know, Sam oh, Benson, yeah. Scott Skiles, wow. uh, Ben Tower, Cleveland Bibbins, Ralph Walker. Well, Ralph wasn't there yet. It was Cleveland Bibbins. Then we had a couple of guys like Kevin Smith. He's from Michigan area. He was starting point guard at state. We had a couple, 6'11 guys, Richard Mudd, Tim Gore, guys like that. But then I knew at this particular time, they're going to be guys that are seven foot, seven, two, seven, three. And so I had to really, really pick up the work ethic. I had to really, really focus on how to play the game of basketball in this physicality of the big 10 and whatnot. And so after my sophomore year, um, that's when I started to really, really flourish and, and, and pick it up. I led the big 10 in rebounding field goal percentage my, my junior year. But those guys on the team, like Skiles and Benson, which were uh, former NBA players, they had good careers, um, not only in college, but in the pros. And um, it was just it was just great playing with those guys because they understood what it would take to help a guy like me develop. And, and they knew I had the talent and they were right there to help me and help Joe push me and get the best talent out of me. So now you're done at Michigan State and you're about to get drafted. Did you feel like you were ready? I felt, Bill, my, my senior year, because I had, I had a scope done on my knee. I, I had a torn cartilage my junior year. So running around come the senior year, um, it, it healed and it was good. But then I was working out and one of the guys fell on my ankle and I sprained my ankle. So I'd sit out a few games. But my senior year, I thought it could have been better but I had that, that ankle injury that was, was bothersome at, at times, but I ended up making the best out of it, but what really elevated my stock during the NBA draft com, um, combine and going over to Hawaii was I, I had a great showing in Chicago 
and they had a, a great showing in Hawaii. And that just elevated me from, say, low first round to sort of mid first round to upper first round. And it was like, um, and when I went to Chicago, that's the one that where Marty Blake would say the top, at that time, if the top 10 people would be players would be invited to New York to the draft. And he came up to me after the, the workouts and he said, hey, I want to invite you to the NBA draft. You're going to be in the top 10. And I was like, wow. And um, I was I was I was beginning to know at that time it was like I had a great showing, but I still remain humble and I still remain hungry. I still uh, remain the focus. But it was a good feeling to have him tell me that you're going to be in the top 10. But I end up being the 11th pick instead of the 10th pick. So talk, so talk about your first year at Atlanta, the coach, and talk about your teammates. Well, in Atlanta, it was it was almost like a dream come true as well because I I, I remember in Hawaii, I sat down with Stan Cast and one of the uh, head assistants, and they did a little interviewing, try to get a feel about who I am, what type of character I am, I have, and things like that. And that was a great showing. And um, I, they, they knew I had the willpower. They knew that I was determined. They knew I had this great work ethic and whatnot. And so um, while I was in college, though, I was like, I used to watch and get Sports Illustrated. And I remember seeing Dominique Wilkins inside. He was on the cover. But then I saw him, all the stuff that he was doing on the inside. The photos were amazing. I said, man, I would love to play with this guy. Not knowing anything about the Hawks. But it was like, I would love to play with him. And then ended up getting drafted by Atlanta. Now Nick's my teammate. And I was like, I mean, a, a dream come true. And, um, but Nick, Doc Rivers, Tree Rollins, uh, Eddie Johnson, all those guys, Sly Williams, all these guys, man, it's just, just incredible guys. But they were, they, I was a rookie. So they made me, they, they put me through it for a little bit, but, uh, but it was cool though. There was a learning, it was a learning curve for me, but it was great being a rookie in Atlanta we were growing, we were young, we were really athletic. We had that 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 energy that a team would need. And all we had to do was build chemistry, begin to understand each other's games, weaknesses and strengths. And we did that and we started to flourish after the first four or five years. Talk about your best year, one year. I know it's hard in, in Atlanta. I think the best year for me was my second year uh, well my rookie I made all rookie team second team but then in 10 my second year would really start to elevate because I was my work ethic was unmatched and I just felt and I was beginning again humbled but my confidence was was building but you know when you have other superstars on the team you know you gotta you sort of on the team but my thing is, it was a great experience, but it really started to come to all together for me. When Willis Three became assistant coach, he, he got in my ear, man. He was, he was giving me stuff, man, that I've never heard before. He took that, you know, you know, Bill, I was that guy who wanted to be physical, the enforcer on the team and all that, which is great. I had to, you know, I had to, I had to battle guys like yourself or Oakley and all these big guys in the league. And I had to sort of try to protect Dominique. And so I had to reverse that. Um, Willis Reed said, man, listen, the physicality is great. You can, you're going to always be strong, but 
It's the mental savvy game I want you to start focusing on. And when I started doing that, my whole game just changed. That following year after that, I made the All-Star game in 1992. I was averaging about, um, I think I was averaging about 19 a game and 15 and a half rebounds a game. And from that point on, for the next five or six years, those numbers just increased tremendously. What were some of the things that you did mentally, you know, to really help you increase your productivity? Well, the main thing was just to understand that if you want to make a, leave a, a footprint in this game, you want to make a name for yourself, it's, it's all mental. It, it was mental. The physical part, that was great, needed do it when you need it. Um, but focusing on certain offensive moves, um, knowing that if you're athletic as I was, I could get up and down the court, I could jump, I could rebound. So you start putting these things together and tell myself, you know, every every game I need to get at least four rebounds a quarter. And you focus on that, whether it's offensive end, defensive end, just knowing how to position myself on the court around the basket, the flight of the ball, where it's going to hit at, focus on those things. Um, create a move that I felt that no one in the league could stop. And Willis Reed was responsible for that by saying you need to develop the jump hook, not like Kareem, the sky hook. You need a jump hook. And so when he kind of introduced that to me, I worked on that like nobody's business. And I said, no one's going to be able to stop it. The only person can stop it is myself. And I don't care if you're seven, seven Manu Bow, I don't care who you are. You're not going to stop this shot. And I perfected it to the point where I was so confident in it. It was just, it was almost like magical. And, um, and once I did that, they would try to double team. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to read the double teams. But if it's one-on-one, it's going to be very difficult to stop me. And, and, and it became my weapon. And then I developed another move was the, the spin move that Hakeem Olajuwon used to do a lot, but he did it 10 times better. And, and I would do that and loosen myself up again to get my, my, my jump hook off. So it was just a lot of mental part of the game that I had to mature, um, understand, study the game more, and things started to happen for me. Okay, so now you, had, you were really successful in Atlanta. Talk about leaving Atlanta and going to Miami. What was the difference there? Well... You know, after you, you know, Bill, when you, when you, when you get been in a team with a team for 10 years, it's like, what? But when they <laughs> traded Dominique, when they traded Dominique the year prior, because I always said, if, if one of us are going to be traded one day, it's going to be me before Dominique. And it didn't happen like that. Neek got traded. And then I was like, wow, that was a shocker. And then the following year, they traded me going over to Miami. It was like, well, I'm not going to a cold city, so that's cool. Um, but Miami was young, Glenn Rice and Bimbo Coles and all these guys with Dale Echoes and Sally. And all John Sally and all those guys, they were young. And I knew Miami was going to be more of a challenge. And Miami's Miami. And these young guys, all they want to do is get the South Beach. And so my thing was try to bring some leadership come in, try to get some guys to get disciplined and focused. And it happened at times, but it was a fun pit stop. I would call it. It was a fun pit stop for me, but um, it was just part of my career that I look at and say, you know what? It was a great time in Miami. I enjoyed being there, but this is not where 
I need to look at winning championship, trying to win a championship. But it was, it was a great, it was a great place for him for a moment. Okay, well, your next stop was Golden State. Uh, tell me about Golden State. Tell me about the coaches, some of the players there. Uh, Golden State was good. I mean, we actually Bimbo Coles and um, um, may rest in peace, my, my buddy and dear friend Jerome Kersey. Um, a couple other guys were there. Um, uh, Joe Joe um, Joe Smith was there. So there, um, uh, Spreewell was there. So all the guys, they had the talent, but again, another young team. Um, coach was um, um, Rick Alderman was the coach, and great coach. And um, we had some we had some talent, but we just couldn't go over the top. It was a short stop because I got traded in February, and I was out of there by we didn't get to the playoffs, so I was out in about two and a half months. I was out and and wanted to be out because again, um, it's one of those situations that you get caught up in. And then the next stop from there was Houston. And that's where it really, it really started to come together in Houston. Well, who was coaching at Houston to talk about some of the guys? Rudy T, man. Rudy T, one of the Rudy best. T. Yeah, man. Yes, sir. Rudy <laughs> T. And I think they traded about four or five guys out. They bought in Barkley, myself, Eddie Johnson. Um, they had a couple of nice draft picks. Um, not really high, but they had some, they had some skill and they had some talent. Dream was there. Clyde was already there. So we had that team where it was, we, at, 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 at one point, it was like going in and hitting the switch. Let's just go in and play. And, um, and that was a great, great time in Houston. Um, unfortunately we got close. We was in the Western conference finals and got knocked out by the big shot by John Stockton that knocked us out. But, um, just a great organization, um, great teammates. Dream taught me a lot. Charles taught me a lot. Um, I was a reserve then. I was I have come off the bench for Dream or, or 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 Charles, and it was you know these future Hall of Famers. My ego was never a part of my game. It was all about what can I do to make this team better. And but when Charles went down or a team went down, Rudy had enough confidence in me to throw me right in the starting lineup because I've been starting my whole career, basically. And um, and I put those numbers up, man. It was at one point where I was putting them up so nicely that, you know, if he wanted to put Charles back in there, I said, no, man, put Charles back in the starting lineup. It's good. <laughs> I don't want you to get all confused. Man. I don't want you to have to sweat this. But go ahead and do it, man. I'm a, we just got to win, bottom line. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But great time in Houston. Love Houston. So after you leave Houston, you end up in Toronto. Went to TO, man, and, and Toronto was a, a a gem. I mean, it was it was wonderful. Vince Carter, Tracy McGrady, Charles Oakley, Antonio Davis, uh, Dale Curry. I mean, uh, um, uh, Dale 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 Curry and Muggsy and Doug Christie, and I mean, we had Alvin Williams. We had a great bunch of guys, and um, and that was fun. It was an experience being in Canada learning that those laws and things you can do in Canada, which you can't do in Canada, Butch, Butch Carter was the head coach. And we had a great team. We had a great team. We had some great runs, but just came up short. Um, but great two years in there. And um, my, my dear friend, um, the owner is um, Larry Tannenbaum. He is, he's a wonderful owner and 
just did a great job with ownership and, and, and building that team and bringing in the right people to, to help us be successful uh, in the long run. Now, did I read this right? You ended up with three teams in one year, Denver, Milwaukee, and back to the Rockets? No. When I was with Denver for a short period of time, I was with Denver. Then I went back to Denver during training camp. And then Houston and Milwaukee were calling. And I told, um, I think I told the GM, Kiki, I think a Kiki Vanderbilt or Dan Ezra was the GM or somebody. And I said, listen, guys, listen, I don't want to go to Milwaukee. I do not want to go to Milwaukee. <laughs> and they said, well, you, this must be a lucky day because Milwaukee is going to take two other players and you're going to Houston. And I had been in Houston the year or two before that. And I went going back to Houston. So I was like, yes. Yeah, Cool, man, where's my airline ticket? Let's go <laughs> back to H Town. So it was good. It was good. Now, who was the coach back then? When you came um, uh, who? No, Rudy was still coach. Rudy was still, still there. there. Yeah, Rudy was still there. Yeah, Rudy was still there. Yeah, yeah, he sure did. Rudy was right there, man. So it was, it was like, I know my surroundings. I know the, I know the system. I know the whole thing, man. So I'm just right back in the flow again. Just different personnel. So right after that, you went right down the road to San Antonio. Well, yeah. When um, when I became when I left Houston, um, there there um, who was it? Uh, I think it was um, the GM at that time was Carol Dawson. Carol Dawson was the GM there, and Carol calls me up here in Atlanta, my home. He says, "Kevin, hey." Um, I get a call. I got a call from San Antonio Spurs and they wanted to know about you and whatnot. And I told them everything about you, nothing but amazing stuff to say about you. And they want you to come and play with them. And I said, really? I said, okay. I said, wow. Okay. David Robinson's there. Tim Duncan's there. Mono Ginobili. He was just a rookie. And Tony Parker was a rookie. I heard about him, but, but I know David and Tim was there. And I said, yeah. And so next thing I know, um, they sent their personnel to Atlanta. And I Pop called me on the phone. I talked to Pop for about 15 minutes. And he was delighted. I was overwhelmed. I was like, man, this is amazing. I love to play for you guys. And then so when they sent their personnel to my home here in Atlanta, they were bringing the contracts and everything. And I said, if you got, I'm honored to sign this contract, but I need to know if you got one thing in order for me to sign this contract. Do you got number 42? And he said, let me check. He called, 42 was available. Signed, sealed, and delivered, Bill. I was gone. <laughs> yep. So my my time in San Antonio was the was the absolute pinnacle of my career. No, no doubt about it. Best time. Who, who were some of the guys on the team? We had um, Steve Smith, um, Stephen Jackson, Steve Kerr, Tony Parker, Mike David Robinson, Tim Duncan, um, Speedy Claxton. Um, we had uh, Danny Ferry. We had um, who else on that squad? Um, Bateer. We had um, 
I may be missing one other person, but we had we had that squad, man. We had that we had that we had the mix, the right mix, and uh, we were able to do it the first year I got there, and we were able to bring home that chip, and we got it. So I know now I know I know how you felt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is it is a very good feeling once that gets yeah, done. Man. Yeah, yeah. So after so after. After you left there, um, you went uh, went back to the Hawks. Well, I stayed. I went back. I signed, I had two year deal with the Spurs, and then I went back to the Hawks. So that's definitely full circle. And um, that was year number. I think that was year number twenty at that time. No, twenty one. That was year twenty one, and then I ended up. Um, playing with the Hawks, I think on eight games that year. Oh, nightmare, nightmare. But came full circle. I was able to see my son play his senior year in high school. So that's why I came left at San Antonio to come and I can see him play his last year. Uh, is this right? You ended up your last year when you were in Dallas? I was in Dallas. I was in Dallas. Dallas. Yes, yeah, so that took the 20, basically the, the, the whole career spans 23 years from 84 to 207. But then when I, when I left Atlanta, when I left Atlanta, Bill, I sat out two years and I just said, I'm a, I'm a focus on my business. Um, and I eventually I'll play again. And I'm actually out in Las Vegas for the, the apparel industry show. That's always in Vegas. I'm out there in February NBA all-star game is in, 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 in Vegas that year. And my buddy and I are out there hanging out, doing our business. And um, we're getting ready to walk out of the Bellagio to get in the car to go to the convention hall over there to do, you know, go to the show. And he, he leaves his phone. So he says, hold up, man, I got to go back to the room, get my phone. So I'm waiting in the lobby. Then when I see him coming, I start heading for the door. And as soon as I go through the, through the, the revolving door, there's Mark Cuban. I run smack into Mark Cuban. He says, Kevin, how you doing, man? I said, I'm doing good. Mark, how you doing, man? He said, um, where you been? I said, man, I just been in Atlanta. He said, how's the clothing business? It's going good, man. That's why I'm out here. It just happened to be All-Star Weekend at the same time. And he says, you want to play? He said, I said, when? He said, I need somebody to come and play for me because one of our bigs went down for the rest of the year. And I need you to come and play. I said, are you serious? He said, yeah. He says, how long you been out? I said, this is my second year out. He says, well, you in shape? I said, I'm in shape, but I'm not in basketball shape yet. He said, how long it take you to get in shape? I said, I need about two weeks. Give me two weeks, I'll be in shape. So he was serious. By the time I got home, I mean, before I left Vegas, I get a call from Orlando Black. He says, hey, Kev, how you doing, man? I talked to Mark. He wants to bring you into... Um, into Dallas for a workout. I said, um, in Avery Johnson, I said, um, I said, okay, cool. I said, when? He said, I'm going to get back with you. And so by the way, I get back from Vegas on that Sunday. I left on Sunday. No, I left on Monday morning. I landed back in Atlanta around, I think five o'clock in the evening, six o'clock in the evening, went home, changed clothes and started training. So I started training and just waiting for that call. 
So about six days later, I get a call from Orlando Black. He says, man, on Thursday of this week, we want you to come to Dallas. I say, okay, I'll be there. And so I ended up training three times a day for six days, morning, afternoon, and night. Flew to Dallas. Avery's there, Popeye Jones, the guys in the gym. And they say, okay, Cat, here's what we want to do. Boom, 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 boom. And so we're going up and down, just Popeye Jones and I going up and down, layups and dunks, this, uh, and they want to see the conditioning. And by the time I got finished with Popeye Jones, he had to go lay on the wall. He had to go lay, he had to go sit on the wall. <laughs> and so Avery Johnson's man, he says, he says, he blows the whistle. He says, that's enough. I've seen enough. And I go sit with him. And he asked me, he says, Kev, he said, man, he says, what are you made out of? I said, man, I don't know, man. I just, I, this is what I do, man. So he said, how old are you? I said, man, I'm 40. I think I was, at that time, I might have been 40, 40, 44. I was 44. And he said, man, how do you? I said, hey, this is what I do, man. This is, I love this game, man. I love keep myself like this, man. He said, man, go upstairs, take him upstairs, get the physical ready, and get it, sign him on the contract. Next thing I know, in the day, that next day I was signed, sealed, and delivered back in the hole again, man. Back in there again. Yeah. One more it time. It was great. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But it was, I think it was more of locker room. And, and then I, you know, I had games where I hit, you know, I scored 10, 11 points, six, seven rebounds. It was cool. I was like, cool. You know, hey, no big thing. My first game, though, I fouled out in about, well, I had four fouls in about three minutes. <laughs> but it was fun, though, man. It was cool. But once I got my timing, I get my timing down, had to get my rhythm down and all that stuff and 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 said, you know what, get your mind back around this thing. And, and once I did that, it was, I was, I was good to go. I actually could have, I actually could have played. If he would have said, come back and play the next season, I would have played the next season without no question. Because I would have had the time to really train, the time to really get my 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 mind around it and just get my whole psyche together. I would have been back out there again because my body was didn't have no injuries all my whole career but once. So my knees were good. My back was good. No arthritis, no tendonitis, no, no nothing. It was just I was strong. So I was like, yeah, if you want me to come back, I'll definitely come back. But Avery wanted me to say, if you want to come back, we'll consider it. But if you want to look, if you want to consider, also think about coaching. And I said, okay, I cool. But then at the end of it, I was like, nah, that's it. I'm done. I'm done. Because I didn't want to coach. So I said, no, I'm done. So you knew after that year, <laughs> you didn't want to coach. But interesting enough, when you were in college, I read, mm -hmm. see if I read this right. You were a fashion and, and textile major in college? Yeah. yeah, man. I was, I was like, you know, being like, you know, we seven foot, man. You can't buy no clothes nowhere. You can't buy nothing. And you want to be <laughs> young and you want to be cool and fit in. And it's like, if I can't buy well, I'm going to study it. And then one day, if I'm in, ever getting in a position to, to get into this business, I'm going to do it. And there's two reasons why I got into it, Bill. Necessity, because I couldn't buy anything. And I wanted to get into it so I could make it one day for guys like ourselves. But then... 
you know, in, in at state, man, you got 43,000 students, man, beautiful campus, girls. I said, I'm gonna go in the fashion because all the girls are in fashion. They all they all in the in the classroom. So I'm in there, I'm one guy and probably about 40 females. So I said, I'm good. I'm good. So that's where I went, man. Right to it. <laughs> I was right there. <laughs> yep. So I, I studied because I understood at a young age that it's a void in the market. And my senior year, I really started taking it serious. And when I got my term pro, now it forged me to be able to experiment a little bit, take this passion, see what I can create with it. And all my teammates, all my peers, we all share the same common thread. We can't find nothing to fit. And so I already got a fraternity now of guys who need clothing that fit, selection, choices, options, style. So now I'm doing it now. And it's like, I got all these guys I can eventually be, eventually have be, be as my customer at some point in time. And I've been doing it now since 1988. My fourth year in the league when I started is because I and so that's what really propelled it to really get my focus on it up. You know, it's like if you don't ever play basketball again, what are you gonna do? And I said, I'm gonna do what I did in college. And that was fashion and textiles. And I haven't looked back since, still doing it today. Now just um Talk about this. Talk about the progression, where you started, who, uh, I'm pretty sure you had a partner. Mm -hmm. And just, yeah. just talk about what it was like to start. Well, when I started it, it was, it was, it was passion. I, I, my partner, Ralph Walker, we played college ball together. We wanted to, you know, we go out to the club or we hanging out in the restaurants or where we're doing. And we went and got, we went and purchased some leather skins um, from New York, flew back to Atlanta. And we said, hey, why don't we try to find someone who can make it? And he says, hey, I know a friend that sews leather. And he made us a couple leather jackets. And so when he finished them, that following weekend, we went out to one of the local clubs um, after, I think it was after a game, and we wore these jackets. And before the night was over, people were like just flocking it, man. This feels good. They, where'd you get this made at? And that was just a small indicator that we could possibly be on to something. And we started showing it in addition to the players. And then they start seeing these different skins, different styles. They start buying stuff. Oakley was like one of my biggest, biggest customers. Carl Malone, one of my biggest customers. Um, um, Mr. Olympia. From he's, he's from Atlanta. I had some good customers. Then all my guys on the Hawks teams were buying stuff. And from that point, it started really, really picking up. And, and it went from something that I did in college, I was passionate about, but now this could grow into something that could be really, really good. And, and you can build a real business with this. And once I decided to do it and learn the business, put the passion on the back burner for a minute and say, you know, you gotta, you gotta learn this business now. So it's not about just looking good and feeling good. You gotta learn the business. And so that's what I committed myself to for the last 34 years. I think that one of the things that obviously marks your career is longevity. And yes. do you think that you're just really unique? I mean, there's people like Tom Brady, there are others 
uh, what advice do you give to other people who want to last as long as you did in professional sports? Well, I think, I think the thing with my advice would be is that one, you have to love what you do. You have to love it. You have to be passionate about it and you have to commit yourself to it. And, and through my work ethic, that was I what I would say is was unmatched because I would I would I would train at the at the the thought of someone else training would trigger something in me to say they made me training and you sitting here thinking about training would push me to go out and train 198 degrees I'll go out and run it because I'm 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 putting the 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 power the mental strength you need to run in weather like that when you run I'm running I'm running maybe seven to eight miles in that weather just for my own psyche, just to test myself and put something in me that was, again, no one could take out of me. And so those things I knew guys weren't doing. I see guys or hear guys talk about where they're going on vacation. Well, I'm not going on vacation. I'm not good enough to go on vacation. That was my mindset, even though I know I could, but now I want to train. I want to get better. And, and through all of that, my body went through all this. And I knew at, in the, at the end of the day, between the Lord and my work ethic, I could play, I could just, I could just play. But that was a learning. I think that was a learning curve for me. God wanted me to go and sit down for a minute. And let me show you how this thing, let me show you the business of the NBA allow me to show you what it's like, how people are really like. Let me show you how people are when you're not playing. So I took that as a learning curve. And so when I learned all this stuff and I was taught this, and I believe that it was a purpose for me getting hurt like that because the next 20 years, well, the next 19 years, I didn't miss a beat. I didn't, I did I played for 19 years without an injury. So, I mean, and, and I knew that was a, a sign. So it was like, hey, man, how can I play the 44, you know, 44 years, 44 years old? How can I play that long? And I could have played another year after that. So I knew it was a, it was a reason why I, had, I was chosen to do this. Did you consider playing overseas? I've, 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 I've had people from Greece. I have people from Italy. I have people from. Puerto Rico to try to get me to come there and play later on in my career, 15 seat. Say, nope, I'm not leaving the NBA. Nope. They're gonna they're gonna put me on a stretch and take me out of here. I'm not, I'm not leaving. Um, at some point in time, I I I even said when I finish playing the NBA, if an offer is still there and I feel like doing it, I will. But right now, not even not a serious consideration at all. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about your family? Oh, family, man. I'm the youngest of three. My brother, my sister, I'm the youngest. My sister's in the middle, my brother. Um, all from Michigan. Um, all now reside here. My mom, my mom was here. My dad's still in Michigan. My mom passed away back uh, in 17. And um, so we're here in, in Atlanta area living. I have my foundation um, for foster care kids. I have a 210 acre campus that my brother and I built out for foster care kids. And we service these kids, we work with these kids every day. And um, 
that's what we've been doing since 2000 and 2002, actually. Then I got a son and a daughter, too. My son, my son is 34, and my daughter is 19, and my daughter, she goes to, she got accepted to go to FIT, Fashion Institute of Technology in New York. And so she's going to her sophomore year, and my son is in Grand Rapids with his family. He's married, got two beautiful kids in Michigan. And he played, too. He's about six seven, but he tore his ACL and his meniscus all at one time. Oof. So. That was a that was a dinger there, man. So, but he's he's doing good, real really doing really really well. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for being on the show. Man, anytime, uh, Bill, you, anytime. You are an inspiration. Over Thanks, twenty man. years in the NBA, that's uh, that's that's doing it the right way, and we love yeah. the work ethic. So, yeah, man, thank you, uh, thank you. I'm, I'm looking forward to catching up with you. I need some clothes. Oh so man, I gotta get I, you. I, Oh, I got you, man. I uh, um, I got some stuff, man. I think you're light, man. By, um, but the, but shorts. I'm gonna work on those shorts, though. But uh, I got I got some nice I got some nice pants. You're gonna love them. Really nice, really nice.